we've been asking the question, what did you expect? Or either, what do you expect? You know, many times we've had situations that happen in our life, uh, and when we come out of that situation, and maybe it wasn't so good, but what was your expectation going into that scenario? What was your expectation for that relationship that turned sour? What was your expectation for that financial decision that you thought was the greatest thing since sliced light bread? They convinced you that, that you, you can jump into this thing right quick and you can make all this kind of money. And the next thing you know, your money went and none came. What did you expect? Amen. What did you expect? And when it comes to our relationship with God, there's some things that I think we got to uh, get to the point to where we are raising our level of expectation. So we started off looking at uh, the, in this fourth chapter, the, the poor widow. We, we talked about her in the first part of the chapter. Then last week we began to explore the prominent woman, the, the woman of great wealth and means that Elisha, the prophet, the successor to Elijah, the prophet of God. And Elisha confronts, or not confronts, he runs into the poor widow, and then now he meets this prominent woman. And we talked about expecting great things. So we'll, we'll take off on our reading. If we'll go back to the 18th verse of this fourth chapter of Second Kings. And we saw that um, Elisha would go from his hometown, go through Shem on the way to Mount Carmel. And oftentimes this prominent lady, this, this lady of wealth and influence, observed the man of God on his journey. And Shunem was almost the halfway point between Elisha's hometown and Mount Carmel where he went to, to meditate, to, to, to teach in the school of the prophets and, and do all kind of ministry work. But this woman observed that he was the man of God. And I told you before, if you're walking with God, if you're walking under the anointing of Holy Ghost, you don't even have to tell anybody that you belong to God. They'll begin to observe it in your life. They'll begin to see it in your, in your characteristic and how you carry yourself and how you interact with other people. So this woman observed that he was a man of God, so much so that she decided and she went to her husband and said, let's build him a chamber, let's build him a room on our house so that when he comes through on his way to Mount Carmel, every time he comes through, he has a place to stay. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but that's, that, that, that sounds like a lot of dedication. That is real hospitality. Can I get a witness? I, I want to ask this question. How many of you all will build an extra room on your house just for folks to come and stay who happen to be coming through town? A minister of the gospel, somebody who's doing mission work or whatever, they may be in town for a season. I, I would dare say that most of us in here wouldn't go build an extra room on our house just for that. Amen. Some of y'all have trouble building your, your mother-in-law's suite on your house. Can I get a witness? Y'all fussed and fight, fought and argued about that. But this woman built a house for the man of God because she recognized the anointing on him. So the text says this, you know, and, and you know, remember from last week how it was that uh, Elisha asked, what can we do for this woman? And, and this woman didn't have any particular requests. That's what I like about her. She was a woman of wealth and influence, but she was not a very demanding woman. Some people who have money want things their way, and they want whatever they want. But she says it was well with her. But the, the Elisha servant, Jehazi, recognized that this woman did not have a son. So uh, Elisha prophesied, and he said, by this time next year, you'll have a son. And she did. So we, saw, we talked about the fact that in this three, four, four things we're looking at here, we look at a great woman because she was a woman of means and wealth. She was great from a societal standpoint. And obviously, she had some spiritual connection with God in order for her to do what she did. So we see this great woman. We also see a, a great gift that was given to her, a son, when her husband was in his old age, and she was on up in age too, but God worked the miracle. How many of y'all know God is still in the miracle working business? I do not doubt what God can do. I am expecting great things from the Lord. I'm expecting God to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think according to the power that works in me, Amen. I believe that God, uh, I, I don't believe that we as Christians should ever place limitations on God's ability because he's an omniscient, all-powerful God. So we see that she had a great gift, a son. But now we go into this, this, this third component here. There's great sorrow that's getting ready to enter this, this, this rich woman's life. The text says one day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. The text says, suddenly he cried out, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. Sound like a daddy, don't it? Take, take him home to his mama. 
All right. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he did what? He died. The text says this. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. Text says she sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. I want you to notice the language of this lady as she's talking. And don't, don't miss it because if you miss that, you, you're not going to really begin to really fully digest the faith in which she operates. And she says, why go today, he asks. Is it, it is neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. But she said, it'll be all right. It is well with me. Okay. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you. Let me stop right here. Okay. And we're going to pick back up on this. But, but we see this great woman. Who was, who, was, who was endowed with a great gift, a son in her old age, one that, that, that she never really expressed to the man of God that she had that need. But obviously that was, that was something that she wanted and she received it graciously. And so she had a great gift, but now we have great sorrow. Now guys, y'all remember when we, when we were doing our uh, Emotional Health and Spirituality course, we talked about uh, what a wall was. Do y'all recall that? From our EH study, what is a wall? A wall is an event. It's a situation, it's a circumstance that turns our world upside down. And, and, and it may come through a divorce, a job loss. It may come through the death of a loved one, a cancer diagnosis. It may be church hurt. It may be a betrayal, a sad, shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, a loss of joy in our relationship with God, a wall. And we discovered through our emotional health and spirituality course that those walls that we all have to go through, and it's not just one wall, guys. Some people took it the wrong way when people used to tell us, come to Jesus and everything will be all right. How many of y'all were told that? And guess everything will be all right from a historical and an eternal perspective because once I am in Christ Jesus, then I am sealed into the day of redemption. But while I am here on earth, there's a process that this journey of faith takes me through, through and all the while God is using events in my life to mold me and to shape me and to mold you and to shape you to make you be the vessel he desires for all of us to be. And so those walls in our life, God, those, those, those hard periods, those hard times can produce an opportunity for us to grow in our faith, whether or not we believe that or not. I was reading uh, just this past week, uh, about uh, Dak Prescott. Now, again, y'all, y'all know I, I'll tease a lot with uh, about um, Cowboys fans because I know the Cowboys have have had a rough time lately. But you know what? I'm I'm, I'm not a Cowboy fan, and I'm not against the Cowboys. And I particularly pull for them because we have a local kid by the name of Dak Prescott who's playing quarterback for them. And so, uh, most of y'all, how many of y'all remember last season, this past season when he he faced what could have been a career ending. Injury, it was just, just a gruesome uh, injury that, you know, sort of like the Joe Theismann in, injury when that leg just kind of just flopped open, okay? It was, just, it was just mangled. And so Dak said this, and I watched it because we're talking about great sorrow and these events that happen in our life. Listen to what he said. He says, even sitting there holding my leg, and that's what he was doing, holding my leg, trying to put it back into place. Dak said, that's just what God's, he says, that's, what, that's just what God's thrown at me. If you known my life, if you known my story, whatever circumstance that is, I'm going to take it with a smile and be thankful that God has put me in position to overcome it to be an example to others. Now here he is, potentially having his career ended. KD Halton boy, you know, all right? Potentially had his career ended, but now he's thinking about the fact that whatever's happened to me, God's got my back. Uh most of y'all know that uh, earlier this week, uh, this past week, he signed a, a $160 million contract. And, and uh, according to ESPN, that $160 million deal was more than team owner and general manager Jerry Jones paid for the entire team back in 1989. That, 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 con- that contract comes while Prescott is still recovering from that terrible injury. Now, most of y'all know that in the NFL, if a guy has a major injury like that, he doesn't usually get a contract like this because they're not so sure if he'll be able to come back. So Prescott's unwavering faith and, and, and determination continued even after this injury, guys. Listen to what he said. Prescott said this, I'm just excited. 
I'm excited for God's purpose and plan. I know it's bigger than anything that I see or I could have imagined, but I'm trusting him. Listen, listen to this part. He says, my faith is doubled down more than ever, and I'm thankful that he's my savior and he guides my life. So I know through him all this will be possible and all this will be a great comeback and a great story. Now, guys, listen to what his uh, all-pro offensive lineman said about this guy. He says, what's so special about him is with all the success he has had on and off the field, he is still first and foremost one of the guys. That's what all-pro right guard Zach Martin said. He said, it's one thing to be a vocal leader as the quarterback, but he backs it up with how he works and prepares throughout the year. He takes the time to get to know his teammates and understand that no one's job is too small. Everybody say, don't despise small beginnings and don't despise small stuff, (laughs) okay? He's everything you want in a quarterback, a teammate, and a friend. And Prescott, the, the article said, echoed the excitement and enthusiasm about the historic deal, which included an NFL record-breaking $66 million signing bonus. How many of y'all would love to get $66 million just for signing your name? Whether, you, whether he plays on the down or not, that $66 million is a signing bonus that's going into his bank account. Now, this, this, this guy stood in faith, guys. And so what, why am I relating this story? Because we talk about sorrow, great sorrow. There are times when things happen in our life that will throw, throw, throw us for a loop, throw, throw a curveball at us. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to, to, to look at God and to shake our fist at God. Why me? My question is, why not you? Why not look at that wall experience, that thing of great sorrow, and say, God, even in the midst of this, I trust you with all my heart, mind, and my soul. I like that faith walk of this young man because he stood in faith and believed. Now, again, this woman here, her son has died. And guys, the death of a loved one, hear me carefully, the death of a loved one can be one of the greatest challenges to our faith. It can be one of the most excruciating, painful things from an emotional standpoint to lose a loved one. As a matter of fact, I want y'all to go with me right quick to 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. We'll start reading at verse number 11. 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, verse number 11. I I like to read this passage whenever uh, I go to the funeral of a Christian who has died and and a believer who's died. Because, again, great sorrow takes place. But just like Prescott, in the middle of that great wall that he faced, that that horrific injury, he still did not turn his faith loose. He still did not turn his faith loose. And and if y'all been following this this scenario, y'all know that that this whole thing looked sort of tenuous because there was some thought that Jerry Jones and the group was going to just let him go. They franchised him last year, and there was some thought that they were going to move on to somebody else. But yet and still, we see, and, and I think Cowboys fans will admit that they, they lacked in some leadership last year, didn't they? See, sometimes you got to realize that team, great teams aren't made just because you got great athletes. you got to have great leaders. Are y'all with me today? And this, this, this young man has obviously proven himself to be a great leader when you have veterans like Zach Martin talking about him the way he talked about him. So, guys, whenever stuff happens in your life, do not forget, never turn loose your faith. But great sorrow, this woman, this, this prominent woman, this rich woman lost her son. He died, guys. But we see, we're going to see as we go back to the text how this woman it may never wavered in her belief. The text says, watch this, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you. Okay, before it says, then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Now, guys, listen to me real quickly. The message of the gospel and of Christ's return to earth is what those who, don't, who are not indoctrinated with scriptural doctrine will find it to be shocking that, you, that we believe that. That Jesus Christ is coming to crack the sky, 
The dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then those of us who are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. They're like, what are you talking about, Pastor? What is that? As a matter of fact, some Christians who don't study their Bible will be shocked to know that Jesus is coming back for the church. So think about this for a second, okay? The gospel declares that a man can live forever. It declares that Jesus Christ is coming back to earth to make a new heaven and a new earth that will be perfect. That all who truly believe in Christ will be citizens of the new heaven and the new earth, worshiping and serving God the Father forever and forever. And that's what Paul is doing here in Thessalonica. He's reminding them of something because these believers here, uh, the Thessalonica believers had, had caught hold to the fact that Jesus Christ was coming back for the church. But listen, listen to this, guys, as I walk down through here. They became so excited over the return of the Lord and the promise of being with him forever and ever in a new heaven and new earth that they, they became so excited that, that they began to sacrifice all they could to meet the needs of people. But some went too far. I said some went too far. Some quit their jobs in order to have more time to minister and in an act of sacrificial commitment, they gave away all that they had. Since they gave away all that they had and they, they quit their jobs, then now all of a sudden they start being hanging around, being busybody, meddling other folks' matters, and, and having to lean and depend on others to support them. And that's why when Paul said this, uh, if, if you back back up, let's go back uh, to verse number 11 with me right quick. That's why he had to make this known to, to these folks who got a little bit too super spiritual. How many of y'all know those kind of folks who are a little bit too super spiritual? They're, they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. So guys, listen, I tell you all the time, in order for us to make it in life in this capitalistic system in America that we live in, we got to have some kind of revenue coming in. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, if a man doesn't work, he ain't going to be eating around here. Can I get a witness? So, so we got, we got, we got to realize that we got to balance life. Don't get so super spiritual. Now you got, a, you got four kids and a wife and you're going to quit your job and say, I'm going to start a church. With who? Come on. Some people can get super spiritual. Now, again, planning doesn't mean that you don't have faith. Can I get a witness? But we also know that faith without works is what? Dead. So the text says here, he, Paul is writing to them because there's some who went too far. He says, make it your goal to live a quiet life. Minding your own business. Christians need to mind their own business. Now, guys, listen to me carefully. You've, you've heard me teach this, that when we are part of the family of God, when we see a brother or sister falling or failing, we have a responsibility to go and to try to lift that brother or sister up. We shouldn't say, I'm going to mind my own business because pastor just read it. These were busybodies who had quit their jobs, didn't have much to do in the way of the, the, the normal work day, and they were going around meddling other people's matters. And he says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you before. Okay? So, so, so that's what he's dealing with right there. But now he gets into the meaning of what he wants to say and we, as we go down through uh, verse number 13. Let's skip to verse number 13 right quick. Watch this, guys. Because again, sorrow, great sorrow. When death arises and death will, uh, if the rapture tarries, all of us either going to experience physical death. If the rapture takes place 500 years from now, I will promise you none of us will be here. All right? But the rapture could take place tomorrow and we could be alive when Jesus cracks the sky. And there will be people who will be alive when he comes for the church. Can I get a witness? The text says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who die so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Now, guys, listen to me. This, this, what we see here is that, that Paul is trying to teach the Thessalonican believers who had questions about loved ones who had died. And it, one of the reasons why I'm sharing this with you is because when great sorrow comes through the avenue of the death of a loved one, we need to have understanding. Everybody say understanding. The concern of the believers in Thessalonica involved the, their loved ones who had died in the Lord. Would their loved ones who had died share in the resurrection when Christ returned to earth? They wanted to know that. 
because the church of Thessalonica had just been founded and it was brand new and it was also being bitterly persecuted and was under savage attack by those who didn't want to see the gospel spread. So some of the believers who were were dying and perhaps some were even martyred and Christ had not yet returned. So they were eagerly looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of Christ Jesus. So they were wondering what happened to my loved ones. So Paul writes to explain to them what happens to loved ones who die in the Lord. Now watch this. Listen to this. So he says, uh, and now dear brothers, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. He didn't say you wouldn't grieve, did he? No, grief uh, at, the, at the death of the loved one is a part of life. And guys, I, I'm one who personally believe that our grieving, when we grieve properly, it allows us to, to heal emotionally. And when you tell somebody, well, don't cry, just hold it up, be strong, be strong. Listen, we got, we, even Jesus wept. Can I get a witness? And so crying and grieving is not something that, that we should try to tamp down, but the text says here, when we know something, you ever say, I got to know something. When I know something, when I'm doctrinally sound, when I understand what happens to a believer who dies, then my grieving will be tendered. It won't be as, as dramatic as somebody who has no hope. Watch this. Next verse says, well, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him Watch this. God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Now watch this. This woman in the Old Testament had great sorrow. She had great sorrow. But guess what, guys? She knew that part of her deliverance was going to the man of God who spoke the word to bring the son into existence in the first place. And so, guys, whenever we experience death of a loved one, let's go to the one who gave us life in the first place. He says this, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back within the believers who have died. They were concerned, the Thessalonican believers, about what happened to their loved ones. So he's teaching them. He's giving them instruction. He's giving them a doctrinal foundation by which they can live their lives on so that they won't be thrown off whenever uh, this this wall of death comes. It'll come, guys, I promise you. All of us are going to experience the death of a loved one at some point in time if the rapture tears. Look at the next verse. Let's read. It says what? We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, watch this, we who are still living, everybody say still living, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who died. So that tells me right there that everybody, hear me carefully, everybody will not experience physical death. I need y'all to repeat that. We say everybody will not experience physical death. And I know I've been to funerals, and you heard me say this before. I've been to funerals, and I know preachers have said this, and, and they were not really thinking about this verse when they said it. They said, we all got to go this way. All right. Well, not necessarily, because if there are going to be people who are going to be alive when Jesus comes back, can I get a witness? And as I said before, I believe that we are the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. I believe that some of us who sit in this room will not taste death because Jesus is going to come and translate us. Can I get a witness? He says, we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who've died. Next verse says what? Watch this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet uh, call of God. First, the believers who have died would rise from their graves. Next verse says what? Uh, Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Where about in the air? See, this rapture is not the second coming. You got to differentiate. The second coming is when Jesus comes down to the earth and reigns on the earth during the millennial kingdom. The thousand year reign. This is different. The rapture is when we are caught up to meet him in the air. Second coming is when he comes down to the earth to rule and reign here on earth, okay? Uh, so it says, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught in the clouds of the Lord out, then we, will be, then we will be with the Lord forever. Look at this last verse. Right, right, look, listen to what it says. So encourage each other with these words. So the next time you have someone, and again, death is hard, but we want to be able to explain to them if they're a believer, he says, encourage each other with these words. Let them know that, that, that as a Christian, we're going to have a reunion one day. 
And if I'm a Christian, if they're a Christian who died, then we're going to be, we're going to meet the Lord in there. Can I get a witness? So sorrow can be tended when we have that information in our memory bank and to know that God is able to do exceedingly abundant above all we can ask or think. Can I get a witness? So great sorrow. Let's go back to second King right quick. So we got to look at this lady, this prominent woman. What will happen to you when the wall comes to your house? What will happen to you when you maybe unexpectedly lose a job? What will happen to you whenever uh, things come upon you, when great sorrow happens? Will you be like that, that Prescott who's still standing in faith and believing that God's got his back? I'm here to tell you guys, there are things that will happen in our lives that sometimes will shake us to our very core. Are you listening to me today? There are things that can happen in your life that will shake you to your very core. And so what I want to encourage each one of us in here to do, when the wall happens, and it will happen more than once in your life, you're going to face an issue, a situation that's going to come upon you that maybe is not pleasant. It's a valid experience. But just know that God never leaves you, nor will he forsake you. Can I get a witness? And so, 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 so Paul wrote that to encourage these Thessalonican believers. He says, first, don't be ignorant about the resurrection. And second, don't grieve excessively over loved ones who died before Christ returns. Okay? Because we're going to experience that, but, but we, we want to we experience that sorrow, that great sorrow with knowledge. Now, this woman back in our text, listen to me, guys. I want you to notice what she did. Here's a son, the one that she had, had been prophesied to, to, to birth in the earth realm, and he God allowed it to take place. Now, here this woman is, son has died. Now, when I first look at that, I'm like, where's, where's the great sorrow? Where's, where, most mothers, if they lose a child, because most mothers believe they should outlive their children, that's the normal way it, it should work, right? No mother wants to bury a child, right? So here, here this woman is, as we go back to our text in 2 Kings chapter number 4, and we'll look back down at verse, now let's go back to verse number 18 and let's, let's move, move along here real quickly. When a child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. Text says, suddenly he cried, my head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. It's nothing like a mama when you're feeling bad, right? How many of you used to lay your head in your mama's lap when things were not going so well? Here, here, here this kid is laying on her lap, but around noontime, he died. Now, I, I need you to l- listen to this because here's great sorrow, but look at the attitude and the disposition of mom through this process. Let's go, let's go, let's go, watch it. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. Now, how many of y'all <laughs> would have did that? If your child was dead, you just leave him there. Most people would just hang on and, and stay there uh, until somebody else came to find out what was going on. But she left them there. Now, watch the, watch the attitude. Look, look, she sent a message to her husband, sent one of the servants and the donkey so that I can hear it to the man of God and come right back. Text says this again. Why go today? It's neither new moon festival nor Sabbath. But she said, it'll be all right. Everybody say, it'll be all right. Now, watch this. Next verse is what? Come on, let's go. Uh, so, so she sat on the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. Text says this, uh, as she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Jehazi, that's his, Elisha's servant, look, the woman from Shunem, Shunem is coming. Text says, run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Now watch the language. Here's what I'm trying to get to. Watch the language of this woman whose son had just died. He says, Elisha said, Jehazi, go and ask, is everything okay? Is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Jehazi, everything is fine. Now why, pray tell me on God's green earth, with this woman whose son had just died, will tell the man of God's servant that everything is fine? Because this woman is talking like her God. See, we serve the God who calleth those things which be not as though they already are. This woman's faith is in, in motion right now. We see it in the scripture, guys. Next verse. Let's read. Come on, let's go. 
But when she came to the man of God, the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Jehazi began to push her away. Uh, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. See, here's the prophet, the man of God, and he could see a lot of different things, but sometimes God don't show you everything. Can I get a witness? Now, I believe in, in prophetic proclamation. I believe that God still speaks to people today and gives a prophetic word. I believe God can know your situation and give the pastor a message that meets you right where you are, and the pastor has no clue what you're dealing with. Am I the only one that went to church a time or two and, and the pastor breaks open the scripture and begins to talk about stuff that deals with what I was dealing with and I'm sitting there thinking, who told it? Anybody been there before? You're like, how did he? Did you say something to him? See, the Holy Spirit has a way of taking a message, a word that, that, that you may think is just hitting Charles but it's hitting everybody in here in different manners and different ways. And that's what God does. God will give us a word that sometimes unbeknownst to us is hitting your situation right where you live. But the prophet of God, who in normal cases would be able to discern certain things, but this time the Lord didn't show him what was happening. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's go. Says what? Then then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? (laughs) Y'all remember the story, right? When when he first told her you're going to have a son this time next year, she said, don't play with me. That's that's dog out interpretation, okay? She didn't say it quite like that, but that's basically what she was saying. Don't play with me now. Don't get my hopes up. All right? And guys, I want to say something right quick. One of the things I think that happens to us in a lot of our lives is sometimes we would rather not believe God for or expect great things from God because we are fearful that it won't come to pass. And we'll just say, well, you know, I just, I just rather downplay everything because if it don't happen, then, then I won't feel like a failure. But I'm here to tell you, God is looking throughout the earth to try to find men and women who he can show himself strong toward. God is looking for a Christian who is expecting great things from him. He's looking for a believer who, who, who trusts that he's able to do exceeding abundant above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. So stop lowering your expectations. Find out what the promise of God's word says and begin to stand on that no matter what it looks like. Can I get a witness? Sometimes we lower our expectations so that in case, in case it don't work out, I won't look bad. But let me tell you something, baby. I'm, I'm in a season in my life where I'm expecting great things from God. I'm believing that God is going to do some supernatural things through the body of believers here at EBC, to you individually, and, and we're going to look back and say, look what the Lord had done. Can I get a witness? Did I ask you for a sign, my Lord? And then I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. Then Elisha said to Jehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff at the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. Here this woman is saying, man of God. Just like you spoken into existence, I need you to come. And, and guys, if you study your Bible, you know that Elisha's predecessor, Elijah, had a very similar experience where he laid himself across the child that had died and the, 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 the child received life back in his body. Here we see Elisha, Elijah's uh, uh, predecessor, not predecessor, the one who succeeded him, now doing the very same thing. I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. That's the kind of faith that God looking for. I'm not God. I'm not going to move until the, to the, to the breakthrough comes. God, I'm going to, I'm going to keep tithing until I, until I see a financial breakthrough in my life. Again, guys, tithing or whatever it may be, I mean, when, when we give it to the Lord, the Lord will give back unto us, but we got to also do our part. I can't tithe and spend like a drunk sailor. Do y'all know how a drunk sailor spends? <laughs> But I, I realize that as I get older, I use phraseology that some of our 20-something-year-olds may not even recognize what it means. How many of y'all out there, let me see how old y'all are. How many of y'all know what it means to spend like a drunk sailor? Okay. <laughs> right? That means that I, I just, I mean, I don't have no, no, no boundaries, no limitations. I just spend. See, God wants to bless us, but he won't bless you when you got a hole in your bag. Can I get a witness? Because you got a hole in your back, no matter how much he puts in there, it's going to keep going out the other side. Sometimes we don't have because we haven't been responsible to take care of what God has blessed us with. 
But the Lord's mother said, as sure as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with the watch text, guys. L- listen to this. Jehazi heard here and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him the child is still dead. Everybody say, but God. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. See, sometimes we try to get to the person who's next to the man of God, but the, the person who's next to the man of God may not have the same anointing that the man of God has. Can I get a witness? So we, we saw Jehazi go and nothing happened, but watch what happens when God's anointing is flowing through this man's life. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Sometimes, guys, you got to get by yourself. Sometimes, God, when you believe in God and you're expecting for great things, sometimes you can't tell folks who are dream killers. How many of y'all got some dream killers in your life? Every time you tell them what the Lord says should happen and he's showing you it's going to happen, they come back and tell you why it can't happen. Anybody got any dream killers in your family who tell you what you can't do? And guys, listen to me carefully. I'm one who believes that God can do whatever God wants to do in my life. It doesn't matter what color my skin is. I hate it when somebody tells me what I can't do because of the way I look. Baby, let me tell you something. God, you, you should have got to me before I start walking in faith. It doesn't matter who don't want me to do it. God can work through those who will trust him with all their heart, mind, and soul. So don't, don't come in here and tell me what you can't do because of whatever. I know God can do it. I've seen him do it in my own life. It's my testimony. So I'm a, I'm, I'm a man of faith. I've, I've learned how to walk by faith. And so when I walk by faith, it doesn't matter who don't want me to do whatever. God is able. Everybody say God is able. Glory to God. He's able. He's able. So he went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. So sometimes you got to get some folks out of your life who are doubters and naysayers. Y'all remember the time when Jesus uh, went in to, uh, to heal this, 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 this young little girl thing, and they had those professional mourners who were there? Because, you know, back in the day, you could hire somebody to mourn for you. Ain't that a trip? You got a funeral, and you got professional mourners. How many of y'all, want, how many of y'all would be good at being a professional mourner? Oh, 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 Lord! You don't even know the person. They had professional mourners, and Jesus had to put everybody, get them out. Sometimes in your life, guys, you got to put some folks out who, who speak in doubt and unbelief. I want people who are faith-filled around me. Now, again, if, if, you, if you're on your way, you're coming, I still want to try to minister to you. But there, there comes a point in time when you believe in God and you're expecting great things. You can't have doubters and they say doubting Thomas in your life speaking, well, what if it don't work? My question is, what, is it, what if it does work? Kenny Rashard, I, I, I promise you, brother, there's some people who, in your, part of your family who probably thought, what do you mean you're going to quit your job and start your own business, your construction business? Somebody will look back and say, you just drove a concrete truck. You just, you just, you just pull a little, little, they call it the mud, concrete, but now you got your own construction business. Doing well, prospering, thriving. The many of the world who, who believe God for 12 years for a daycare operation to come into manifestation. There are those I'm probably sure who would have doubted that it's going to come to pass, but she stood in faith and believed that God is able to fulfill his promises. I don't need people around me who talk in unbelief and doubt. I don't need people around me. And Now, you, you can be around me as, as long as, as, as I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you come along because you'll probably get tired of me telling you what the Lord said. Because every time you tell me why it can't happen, I'm going to tell you why it can happen. Every time you tell me, well, it ain't going to happen because, you know, you know, we, we can't do it. No, no, no. It's not we can't do that. I'm believing God. I am a child of God and I'm standing in faith and God is able to work the impossible in my life. And he's going to do it in this ministry's life. God is going to do some supernatural things and allow us to be a blessing Allow us to be a blessing to this community in Benton, Shreveport, Bossier, and beyond. The half had not been told what the Lord wants to do. We're coming out of this pandemic, and we're going to hit the ground running. We're hitting the ground running now. We start. So, you know, get your shot. Hello? Get vaccinated and bring yourself. Okay, I'm <laughs> sorry. Hello. 
Guys, let me tell you something. There are a lot of Christians who operate in fear. Again, guys, hear me carefully. I'm not talking about walking in foolishness or uh, presumption either. I think that this virus should have been taken seriously and should, still should be taken seriously. Okay? But I don't believe you should walk in terrified fear. Can I get a witness? Can I talk to you pastorally speaking? How is it that you can send your child to school five days a week, six or seven hours a day, but afraid to send them to the youth meeting at church for one and a half hours? I don't get that. And, and, and guys, we, we've chosen to do it in a safe manner to gather safely. As far as I know, the best I can tell, and I think I'm right about this, no one has gotten COVID-19 as a result of catching it from somebody that comes to us. We check temps. We, 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 we social distance the best we can. We, we, we wear a mask, and, and, and it, it ain't killing us. I, 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 some of us got to check. I said, how is it you can go everywhere else? I, I, I just don't understand that, okay? Now, again, we can gather online and thank God for the live stream and the media ministry. That's a tool that we really didn't have in existence before this happened. And I thank God allowed that to happen so that we could expand our reach. But every now and then, you ought to come out your living room. I saw a cartoon the other day somebody posted where this woman, she came to church with a dust and a rose in the head. And they said she, she got, she's she, she been watching it online too long. Take, take your rollers out your head. Take that old dust. Y'all know what a duster is? <laughs> take that duster off and get yourself up and get back to the house of the Lord. There is work to be done. Get your vaccination. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Can I talk to some of y'all? All right, get your vaccination. Get yourself equipped so we can get moving. Amen? All right, all right, that's, that's my pastoral exhortation. Because sometimes, guys, sometimes we allow fear to overwhelm us. And sometimes it's not as much as fear as we pretend it is because if I can go other places and be in connection with people probably that I don't know, then I can, I can make my... It's not about just gathering the building, you understand? Because we, we gather to equip you to go do the work of ministry. But, but I, I'm just saying for those, for those who, 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 who've, uh, who, who succumb to the fear, all right, uh, if, we, if we go to work, and I know some of y'all working at home, but if we go to work, we can come to church. Amen? We can figure out a way to do it, can't we? We can figure out a way to do it safely uh, and uh, make sure that we're okay. Amen? All right, so it's time to get moving. So, so he went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Watch this, guys. We're talking about we had this great woman was given a great gift. She's experienced great sorrow, but now she's getting ready to see a great miracle. Great sorrow, but great miracle is on the way. See, I believe that God wants to do some great things through each one of you all sitting here. God is looking for a man or woman who's willing to walk by faith. As a matter of fact, Hebrews, I believe it's 11 and 6. Y'all check it out. I may have lost a little memory bank over the years, but I believe it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. The person that comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who haphazardly seek him. No, he's a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. Here this woman is, expecting a great miracle, coming to the man of God. Our faith is impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe he is and the reward of them that diligence seeking. So we're looking at a great miracle. Let's get, let's get, get back with him real quick. Verse number 29 again. Hallelujah. Man, expect great things. Expect great things. Take my staff and go, don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. Here we go. The boy's mother said, as sure as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. 
Jeez, I heard it on head and laid the staff on the child's faith, but nothing happened. How many of y'all have had situations where you were believing and trusting God, but nothing happened? I'm going to tell you, after having done all the stand, keep standing. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him the child is still dead. Let's go. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone and shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. Next verse says what? Then, they, then he lay down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, and his hands on the child's hands. He laid over. And as he stretched, guys, as he stretched as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Everybody say, life is coming. <laughs> Watch the man of God. Watch this. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then stretched himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. There he goes. Achoo, achoo, achoo. And his eyes opened, guys. Then Elisha summoned Jehazi, called the child's mother, and when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. What a great miracle. Man, what a great miracle. This woman's faith evidently had been built up as a result of seeing God make a way out of no way before. She saw him bring a child into existence like others in the scripture who are past that age. Y'all remember Abraham and Sarah, right? Can I get a witness? There were others along the way had the similar thing happen. Y'all remember uh, John the Baptist's mother, right? Elizabeth. Had a child in her old age. As a matter of fact, the angel who brought the word to Mary, the the earthly mother of the Savior, Christ Jesus, he, he gave Elizabeth's pregnancy as a witness of the fact that God is able to do exceedingly abundant above all we can ask or think. Elizabeth shouldn't have been having no children. Everybody say, but God. You shouldn't have been in a position to have, have that kind of wealth. Everybody say, but God. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have recovered from that illness where the doctor said that, that there's no hope, but God. The relationship that, that, that looks like you messed up royally, looks like it was over with, you, 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 you cheated on your wife and, and, and she had every biblical right to let you go, but she still said, I'm going to forgive and I choose to restore. Everybody say, but God. Guys, this woman's faith had been built. She saw the man of God. She had been observing him as he came through. That's why she built the chamber. And then when he spoke the word and the son came into existence, she remembered that. I'm going to encourage you to remember what the Lord has done for you before. Because what the devil will do, he'll try to, he'll try to, he'll, try, he'll give you short-term memory. He, he, won't allow, he won't allow you to remember things what the Lord has done for you before. When I look back over my life and I see the hand of the Lord working in various situations, it gives me courage and confidence to know that if he did it before, he can do it again. If he did it 15 years ago, what makes me think he won't do it 15 years now? He certainly will. This woman's faith, guys, was extending she spoke with certainty and confidence, okay, when she moved in this tragic situation when it occurred. She spoke with confidence, guys. And notice the way that the woman spoke. She called those things that be not as though they already were. Go to Romans, the fourth chapter right quick. Heard, heard. Romans chapter number four, and we're going to look at verse 16. This is one of my favorite passages. In, in, in a few minutes I got left, I want to just share this with you right quick. This is the Apostle Paul. Who's, who's writing to the saints at Rome. This is, if you ever want to get doctrinally sound, the book of Romans is a book that you ought to study and, and, and understand with clarity. Because, see, there were, there were those who, who were still operating under Judaism and were thinking that salvation came by keeping the law. And I tell you before, the law was given to man, not, not that God expect man to be able to keep the law perfectly. The law was given to mankind to show man in his prideful self that he needed a savior in order to help him to keep the law because he can't keep it by himself. Amen? The law, I tell you on last week, cannot change a man's heart. Only Christ can do that. So if you're trying to change a person's heart with a law, it'll never happen. I'm not saying this should not be consequences. Uh, for, for disobeying the law, it should be. 
But you can't change a person's heart by law. It takes God's spirit. So the promise, watch this. He's, he's trying to get them to understand that it's not, it's not through keeping the law. It's by faith. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. Next verse says what? That, that is what the scripture means when God told him, I made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham what? Kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Watch this. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's room, as good as dead as it relates to being able to birth a child into the world. As good as dead. But guess what? He had a word from God. God said, you're going to be the father of the nation. It's not going to come by uh, your, 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 uh, Sarah's handmaid. You and Sarah are going to have a child. They had that word, God, guys, and they stood on that word. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though he was about 100 years of age. He figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Next verse says what? Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Next verse. He was fully convinced. He was, everybody say fully convinced. I want to know how many of y'all are fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. How many of y'all are fully convinced that if he said it in his word, he can bring it to pass. God is looking for a people who expect great things from him. God is looking for a people who will take him at his word, no matter what the scenario looks like. That's what he's looking for. In this time that we're living in now, he needs a people of faith. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. The next verse says this, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous, as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded, guys, watch this, for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. A great miracle. This great woman received a great gift. She experienced great sorrow, but she also experienced a great miracle. Guys, I'm here to tell you, God is still in the miracle working business. God is still looking and wanting us to expect great things from him, to take him at his word and stop listening to political pundits. Stop listening to negative Nellies in your life. Stop listening to doubting Thomases that are rolling around and trying to be your friend. Find some people who are speaking faith. Find Christians who are willing to say, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the prognosticators and the experts says. I have a word from God and God says I'm able to do it and that's going to settle it in my life. And I'm going to stand. And so she received a great miracle. Son was brought back to life. Because the woman trusted that God was able to do what only God can do. And that's the supernatural. Can I get a witness? Every hit body right close. Father, we thank you.